You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. I just uh, love to tell this story. My wife and I came here in 1977, and we drove, uh, we commuted from Northwest Phoenix Metro Center. We lived at 43rd Avenue and Cactus, if you know the Phoenix area. And we drove down here every weekend for a year, and we stayed, the the church had a really dumpy, single-wide mobile home, and that was our weekend retreat center. And... I'll never forget, it had a red, sculpted red carpet. And uh, anyway, we stayed in there, and then we, we, that was the only resource the church had, and we sold that to purchase the house on the hill. Some of you maybe remember that. We purchased the Hedricks home, and they're, they were also in that picture. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, they were also in that picture. And, uh, and then my friend Jim Taylor, who was in the, in the, in the picture, he was leading a small Bible study up in Cave Creek. And so he came down. I think he was here about 10 years. And how long was Bob here? 23 years. Wow. And now you're 10 years. It's just, yeah, because it's 77. So it, the, the church was 40 years old two years ago. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I was, uh, I was in my late 20s. So you can guys can do some math. And um, I think we're done now because I'm really tired from doing the first service. <laughs> yep. Getting old sucks. <laughs> Anybody want to say amen? You know, it gets so old, you can only say a. You can't get to the men. It's just too hard. Anyway, uh, I, got a couple, I got a couple good friends that came down with me. My wife is not with me this weekend here. And I'll, I'll explain that in just a moment. But, uh, hey, you guys, I forgot to have you stand up. That's Kayser and Scott. And Kayser's kind of a scary guy. His, he's from Pakistan, and his last name is Hussein. And he loves the Lord. He actually, uh, he was raised in a Muslim home context in he came to know the Lord in our church. Isn't that great? Yeah. And uh, we've, known these guys for, we've known these guys a long time. We, we have a prayer team. We call it our pit crew, personal intercessory team. And we, meet, we try to meet about once a month. And uh, Scott and his wife and um, Kayser and his wife, who is Chinese, uh, they, they pray with us and the two other couples. So we have Kayser, who's who's uh, Pakistani, his wife is Chinese, and uh, Hector and Mimi Torres are from Colombia, and then there's a couple white guys. <laughs> Old white guys, yeah. Old white guys. Um, we started the sermon, or was I just talking? All right. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful witness here uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, Oracle, Arizona, where there are now thousands of people living. And, and Lord, I just I thank you for the vision that you've given to James and, 
and Shauna, and Lord, just the way you've used this church to reach so many people. We're grateful to be here, and I pray, God, that your, your Holy Spirit will speak to us this morning. I, I pray, Lord, for your blessing on this church and on, on its expansion and just that vision to reach people, and that's what this message is all about today, and I, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is officially, according to Catholics, Lutherans, and Presbyterians, and uh, Anglicans, this is officially the second Sunday of Advent. But since this is Oracle, and it's sort of backcountry, we're going to start Ad Folks. Okay? Uh, we're, we're, we're behind a week, you know? So Christmas, folks, is not until January 25th in Oracle. Okay? <laughs> All right. So anyway, this is Advent, and the church has been celebrating this as a season in the church year uh, for hundreds of years, and Advent is the coming of Christ, about the coming of Christ. Advent means coming, and it's about, it's about radical change. When Jesus comes into your life, it's not like you've got some religious frosting on your life. Everything changes. I look back on my life. I was raised in a Christian home, but you know, I look back on my life and I, I just see these radical moments in my life and I just, uh, you know, I would never want to go through them again, but I couldn't be who I am today without having gone through some of the things that have happened to me, to us. And I'll tell you about a, a real family trauma we're facing right now. Uh, any of you, how many of you know that life isn't, isn't easy? How many of you agree life isn't easy? Well, it is until you get married. Um, and then you have children, and that, that's when the happiness begins. <laughs> yes, when my, when my youngest son, this has nothing to do with the message, but people love this nonsense. Um, when my youngest son, Matt, Matt, was born, he's 36 now, and they have two children. He's in the Navy. He's been in the Navy for 13 years. That's pretty good, huh? And uh, anyway, his little boy was born. Um, I was telling someone that, was that on the way down here, or was I telling, telling some after, after the first service that the ultrasound said that they were, uh, were going to have a girl, and so they had everything, all, this girl's clothes, all these girl clothes, and, and they had a name, Olivia, and, and then we were sitting outside the delivery room, you know, you, you know our daughter-in-law didn't really want her in-laws in there at that moment, it's kind of personal, and we, we were sitting right outside, and all of a sudden we heard all this screaming and yelling. And I, I'll never forget, I heard somebody scream, Oh my God, it was a boy. And uh, they, it was just totally a total surprise. And then so Kate was, nascent, uh, Kate was nursing little Oliver. They didn't have a name for, for him for several days. A hospital said, You can't go home until you name this kid. And uh, uh, my, son, my son was pay, he was flipping through the concordance of his Bible, trying to find a Bible name for this child. But anyway, she was nursing the baby, and things come to me that I, I, I say and I probably shouldn't say. But I said, I said, Kate, do you, you hear that? That little gentle sucking sound? That's going to last for twenty years, <laughs> maybe, maybe longer. So uh, anyway. The world, the world is difficult, and the coming of Christ, you know, peace on earth, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and Christmas is a remembrance of how God has, has come into the world to disrupt it, because it ain't right the way it is, 
And Jesus has come into many of your lives and has, in many ways, it's disrupted your lives. But you look back and you're so grateful. I was talking with a gentleman after the last service and uh, he said that he, one of his best friends, they're not friends anymore, and you know, he didn't do anything to offend him, but he, his life changed so much because he met Christ. And his friend said, you're just not the man I used to know. And it's disruptive. And we're going to talk about a story here that's actually a story that's a prelude to Christmas about how, how life can be so disrupted. And that's why, that's why Jesus came. Um, how many of you have had some kind of a radical event change the direction of your life? How many of you? Put your hands up. Everybody, right? We've all had something um, like a totally unexpected tragedy or or like Jesus just coming into your life. The birth of Christ is not just a wonderful historical event. It's about cataclysmic change. And just any change. Just if you join a church, you'll find that the place where people are supposed to change, people in that place don't like change. This church isn't what it used to be. You know, sometimes church people are the most resistant to change. Drives, you know, I, I had a therapist as a pastor. I had a therapist, okay? And it wasn't somebody in the church. All right, so uh, a few years ago, you know, just to talk about change and how disruptive it is, a few years uh, bef before my, my father passed away, we took the whole family to Disneyland. It was my wife and me and our kids and a couple of grandkids. We've got nine grandkids now. And... Uh, I don't think I'd been to Disneyland with my dad since I was a teenager. And my dad wasn't disabled, but he was getting, he was aging and, and it was difficult. So we got him a Disneyland wheelchair. Hallelujah. Because when, they, when a wheelchair shows up at the rides, they put you in the front of the line. So every, every time I've been to Disneyland since then, I've borrowed a wheelchair. Um, so, so anyway... It was great that my dad wasn't disabled, but he was in a wheelchair. Pray, I was saying, praise the Lord, Dad, for this wheelchair. And toward the, toward the end of the day, the whole day had gone by. We were all exhausted, but we hadn't been on Space Mountain yet, and I talked my dad into going on to Space Mountain. He had never been on Space Mountain. It's been there since the 60s, I think. And, um, and I told him, I said, it's like a train. My dad loves trains. I said, like a train. It's like just a few cars. And it has a track, and it goes really fast, you know? It's not really sort of a roller coaster, but it isn't. How many of you have been on Space Mountain? All right. So, so anyway, he was really reluctant. We got him on the train, and uh, when the train came to a screeching halt, he was not happy. Okay, this, this was not a happy... But I was, I was laughing. I was laughing at him. It was terrible, you know? When my kids laugh at me, I want to I disown them. And, uh, and they do laugh at me. And... Uh, and so, so anyway, he was, he was not happy. But uh, I, in, in the first service, I started to laugh when I told about this story. So I'm telling Jesus, don't tell my dad I'm still laughing about him on the roller coaster. So uh, anyway, I love roller coasters, but I don't love them anymore. Because a few years ago, I rode again on uh, the new and improved Space Mountain. And it was like, oh, man, I, I'm just too old for this. Um, and I've actually got a little couple pictures, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. You know, I just, those sudden turns, okay? <laughs> okay, this is about life, you understand? 
You ever get this? Has life ever jerked you around? All right. And uh, those sudden turns, I just can't take those sudden turns. Say that with me. I just can't take those sudden turns. This is what Advent is. God has waited for a couple thousand years, and all of a sudden Jesus appears. And it just turns the world upside down. Within just a few hundred years after the birth of Jesus, the Roman Empire, the pagan Roman Empire became Christian. It, it's inconceivable. It's, one of the, it's maybe one of the most, if not the most significant change, not just in people's lives, but in, in a, a whole world culture. Um, so a future, Advent means a future for us is going to be different. It's going to be wonderful, unanticipated, and sometimes unwanted. You know, I've been there. I've done that. I was 25 years as a pastor of a large church. I couldn't take it anymore. And that was a big reason. I just really felt like I needed to make a change. Um, and uh, I had a really, um, I had a great sever- got a great severance package. Um, you know, I pastored a big church, and I sold it to Hillsong. My goodness, were they willing to pay a lot of money for that church. And I'm just kidding, okay? Some of you are going... Bertha, did you hear what he just said? Uh, so I also thought, hey, you know, that's probably why God had me on the earth, just so I could build a nice church for Hillsong. Uh, so, but anyway, I, 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 got, uh, you know, I, I got, got to do some interim ministry and pastored, I pastored. I've done this like five or six times now, churches that are, they lost a pastor. He left, and so I came in, and I was their temporary pastor. And then... About five years ago, I was offered a job with American Bible Society with, with an, a salary and benefits and, and travel. And, it, it was, and then last September, you know, it's just you never know where, where the road of life is going to take you. Last September, at the, last September I had, they, they, had, I, they had a special meeting, and my supervisor told me, you know, this is a, you can't miss this meeting. Well, there were a bunch of us. They were laying us off. Praise the Lord or whatever. Okay. Anyway, I got laid off. And then, I mean, it's all happened just this last fall. I got jerked around. And then my wife was, was uh, happily trimmed. She loves plants and flowers. And she's, she's kind of delicate. And she, she was out trimming uh, a lantana bush and finger, the new Fisker hand clipper. And she cut the end off of her ring finger. I mean, it was like... Monty Python, you know, the blood was just coming out of her finger. Do you see that? You know, some of you, have you seen that? Okay, praise the Lord, you know, we're getting somewhere. Anyway, so she cut the end of her finger off, and, and I had to take her to urgent care, and then I, I came home, you know, she was all bandaged up, and, and uh, I went out in the backyard to pick up her stuff, and the end of her finger was still on this clipper. So let's close in prayer. <laughs> Because all of you need deliverance from this traumatic sermon, okay? So she had surgery, and you know it gets it gets better. It gets, it gets wor- literally it gets worse. So she had surgery five days later, and the day she had surgery, you know, she came home with with a you know it was the end of her finger, but she had a cast all the way up to her elbow, and uh, we got a, a word from our daughter-in-law who f- two and a half years ago was had surgery for a, a massive malignant brain tumor that. And she's been doing really well that 
the cancer is back. That's why my wife isn't here today. She's in California because my daughter-in-law is getting intensive radiation treatments last week, this week, and uh, at Cedar sinai Hospital in L.A., and, and they still have one child at home. And so I'm, you know, and my son, you know, it's, it's you know, the closer you get to this situation, my, my, it's my oldest son, it's just it's traumatized the whole family. So, you know, life just jerks us around, and, and there's these sudden changes, and I don't like these sudden changes. And just to lighten things up a little bit, um, I got a song here. I want to read a song from Avril, Avril Levine. You know who that is? Somebody had to tell me who it was and how to pronounce her name. But uh, it's time now to turn around. Turn my back on everything. Turn my back on everything. Everything's changing when I turn around. All out of control. Um, I'm, I used to be a rock, sing, a rock star. Anyway, everything's changing when I turn around. All out of my control. I'm mobile. Everything's changing when I turn around. All out of my control. I'm mobile. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time now. I turn around. Turn and walk on this crazy ground. Oh, oh, oh. Every, everything is changing when I turn around. All out of my control. I'm, I'm a mobile. Everything is changing out of what I know. Everywhere I go, I'm a mobile. I'm a mobile. Hanging from the ceiling. Life's a mobile. Spinning me around with mixed feelings. Crazy and wild. Sometimes I want to scream out loud. La, 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 la. Yeah, yeah. Everything's changing everywhere. I go, all, I go all out of my control. Everything is changing anywhere. I go all out of my, uh, uh, what of, all out of what? Yeah, 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 la, 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 la. Um, so it was, it was funny the second time too. It is funny. But it's, it's, I mean, she's serious. She's a very serious kind of a, a weird, you know, musician. But it's serious. Life is, life is crazy. Sometimes you feel like a mobile and you're going around and around. I'm getting sick. I'm getting dizzy. I can't take this. Um, and the, the, long, the older you get, the longer you've been doing anything a particular way, the harder it is to take sudden turns, to ride the roller coaster or to hang from the ceiling and get dizzy. You know, when you're young, getting dizzy is fun. You have, you know, merry-go-rounds. How many of you have gotten older and know that going, getting dizzy is, is not fun? Okay. Okay. Like my, my kids, I, you know, my grandkids would like to go on a, those teacups at Disneyland. I vomited in more than one of those. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, by the way, the older you get, the less you care what people think in church. Okay, so uh, anyway, it, it's just difficult to be a really old woman. And just ask Elizabeth. Okay, she's the really old woman in the Bible who got pregnant. And her husband, her husband's name was Zechariah. Look at Luke chapter 1. We're actually going to look at the Bible today, not just say funny things. Okay, so... Uh, verse 5, Luke chapter 1. So this is the first chapter in the Bible. There's the genealogy of Jesus, and, you know, and then, and then there's a story about uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and their miracle baby. He wasn't born of a virgin. He was born of an old woman, John the Baptist. 
In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And then you got to really think about this verse. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands, commandments and regulations blamelessly. In other words, those were the best people in the church. The pastor didn't have to ask them to give or suggest that it's a Christian thing to do. Okay? I mean, they're, they're, these are perfect people as, as, as far as human beings are going. Go. The Bible says both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. These people were the cream of the crop. But look at the next slide. It says, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. Now, she was barren, but, you know, today we know that sometimes the boy is barren. You know, he just, it's not about the egg, it's about the sperm. And they were both well along in years. Now, you, you cannot imagine what a curse. This was a curse for a woman not to have a child. And, you know, I had that. But most, I've asked people, do you have children? No, 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 we decided not to have children. And people decide that. But most women would like to have a child. And I asked in the last service, there were a couple women who desperately had wanted a child and never had a child in the, in the first service today. And it, it's just a curse. And finally, you come to the place where it just is what it is. You know, my, my wife and I have some, some women who are single. They, they've never been married. And uh, they could have children, but they've never had children because they never got married. Um, and, and, but and that, that's just such a pain. But in, in this context, everybody believed that if the woman was bare, barren, there was something wrong with her. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well along in years. Now, look at this here. Uh, this man was a priest. Okay, he's a married priest. He's got his wife there. He, he, was a good, he was a good priest. He had a good wife. They were upright in the sight of God. They were blameless. And this is, the, this is the mother of all oxymorons. They were childless. So to me, this, this is a story about, about waiting on God and not knowing why God isn't working in your life. And do you think they prayed about this a few times when they were younger? And, you know, and they don't have a child. They're childless. Everybody knows that in the whole community. They don't know why, and uh, they're childless, righteous people. And this is really, it raises that whole question, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen world, because the world is screwed up. And this is why Jesus came. Not just to give us a reason to go shopping, but because God had to, had to come, there had to be a violent change. And God had to send his son. So, this is my first truth. You know, I got. You should have some notes. You can make some notes if you want. The, my, my first truth. I've, I've, I've got seventeen of them, and we should finish before two. Anyway, the first truth: every life has joy in unexplainable and unfair hardships. Every life has joy in unexplained and unfair hardships. For the first time since our kids have had kids. Really, maybe since our kids left home, our whole family was together for Thanksgiving for two reasons. It was my wife's big birthday. 
And her birthday is just a few days before Thanksgiving. And maybe this is Jill's last Thanksgiving. So we were all together. And it was, it was absolutely wonderful. But there's this cloud, you know, hanging over us. You know, not, not every problem in life means that God is against you. Bad things happen to good people. And very, sometimes very good churches have problems. Just because there's a problem in the church doesn't mean uh, that the church is bad. It means that there are people in that church. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, I read a book about Merrill's Marauders. In, 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 they were kind of a jungle special forces outfit in the Second World War. And the stories about how they're in this jungle, in, you know, and... It was just, an, it's an incredible story, and there's heat and dysentery. Maybe like some of the guys, some of you guys may have experienced in Vietnam. Um, heat, dysentery, insects, exhaustion, and a sniper behind every other tree. And I read, when I was reading, I think, how can human beings go through this? Well, now we get to find that out with my daughter-in-law. How do, how do we get through this? And one of the guys who had experienced it uh, he said this. If we pop the next slide up. Did you lock up again? <laughs> there we are. You just have to take the next step. Say that with me. You just have to take the next step. Like Zachariah and Elizabeth, they just kept going one day at a time. Uh, they just kept going one day at a time for their whole life, the prayer was unanswered. So they just kept going. Um, <clears throat> so, verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, uh, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. You know, that should happen more often in church because it's just so routine. He's done this for years. He's an older man. He comes to church. And there's, there's an angel that appears. What's up with this? And, uh, and then the angel said... Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. If an angel appears to you and says that to you, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. What's the first question that comes to your mind? <laughs> Which prayers, right? Which prayer is it that's answered? There are prayers that they stopped praying 20 or 30 years ago for a child. Your prayers have been answered. You know, it's like, what? And uh, what prayer to have children, of course. You know, you know the prayer you prayed and stopped praying when, when you knew it was impossible. Your, your prayer's been heard. Well, what is God? What is, what's up with God? And this is, this is the second truth. I mean, God dwells in eternity, but he has a perfect sense of timing. 
you know, he didn't want this couple. I mean, it was all this, this powerful story of a miracle, not a virgin birth, but a miracle birth that's going to be a part of the announcing of the, of the Messiah. It has a perfect sense of timing. And maybe it's not right for you to be somewhere at some time the way or where you want to be. I, I, my whole life is a story of that. I mean, I, I just, I could tell you one story after another. A man, in Proverbs 16, 9, it says, a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And I, you know, I wanted to go to a particular college, and it just didn't work out, and I had, I was heartbroken about it, and I, you know, it was a trauma for me, and my wife wanted to go to a, a, a different college, and, and it didn't happen, and she was heartbroken, and we ended up reluctantly at this little college in southeastern Kansas, in a town you've never heard of, Winfield, Kansas. And we met there. My, my mother was engaged to be married to a seminary student who was an intern in my grandfather's church. And he broke up with her when he went back to seminary. And my mother never got over that but you got me. So maybe God had some other husband in mind for my mother. You know? So uh, God dwells in eternity, but he has a perfect sense of timing. God is never in a hurry. God, God isn't surprised by the sudden turns of life. He knows about every page in the book of your life, and we are never victims because God has a plan. The text doesn't tell us this, but we get the feeling that the barrenness of Elizabeth, I think there's, a, there's, a, like a, there's an image here, the, the, the barrenness of, a, of Elizabeth waiting their whole lifetime for a child is kind of a picture of how God has waited 1,500 years Moses 1,500 years before got the law on Mount Sinai, and God waited 1,500 years 2,000 or more generations, 2,500 generations before the Messiah came. So it's almost like a, it's part of the whole story of the Bible. And uh, the, the long wait for these two godly people to have children was a symbol of the long wait of Israel for the coming Messiah. And then came this word from the angel, He, John! Okay. Oh, uh, the angel had said to him, "Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer has been answered. What well, your wife will bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John." And, and then, when he was older, he became a Baptist. Okay, that was stupid. Okay, but anyway, in verse 14, he John will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from birth, many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Man, does God have a plan? You know, how, how could these two old people have ever imagined that something like this would happen in their life, that Elizabeth, her barrenness, was a part of God's purpose for the whole earth. In fact, it's so amazing, so ridiculously unbelievable that Zechariah doesn't believe it, even though an angel is telling him this. So he asks the angel, the angel goes through this, your prayers have been answered, rejoice. As Zechariah asked the angel, 
how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You know, and the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Good news. How unfair is this? This isn't good news. These are good people. They've suffered enough. And... uh, I shared this in the first service, and Shauna was laughing, you know. But, you know, I know this, this is hard to believe, but before I came here, on the way down here, God, God told me that one year from now, they're going to have another baby. <laughs> this is good news. The Bible says this is good news when old people have babies. <laughs> Isn't that what you want? After you've raised your children or you have no children... Do we have a, a, a couple here that's been married like 40 years or so or more? These guys right back here? Are you married? Okay, that's good. How long have you been married? 36. Do you have children? You're going to have another one by next December. <laughs> They're laughing. It's a joke. See? You, this is the humanity of this. And you know, Zachariah is going to, this is, is this a joke? Not only is my wife barren, but you know, I'm having trouble. All right, so that didn't come out, actually, in, in the Bible, but I just know things about, about how, how it is to get older as a guy. So anyway, okay, so it, it, makes, me, so it makes me a little angry when the angel, the angel is kind of, he's kind of like, this is mean, this is a mean angel, okay? He says, and verse 20, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come to true at their proper time. Give the guy a chance. You know, he needs to talk to his wife about this and pray about it. You know, it, it really, uh, it, it's, it's almost, you know, it sounds like angelic abuse. And, and, uh, and I, I, have, I have one explanation for it. The, this, he's going to be silenced. This is such an important and powerful thing we're going to see. He comes out of the temple, and he's trembling, and he can't speak. And everybody knows something has happened in that building. So, meanwhile, verse twenty, verse 21, meanwhile the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Of course, if he told them what the angel told them, they would have said, dude, you lost your mind. An angel told you that you and your old wife are going to have a baby? Okay, well, maybe it was a blessing that he got silenced, huh? You know, there, so this is the... Uh, I never got to the third truth, did I? Can we back way up? Because people freak out. They don't get the third truth. Sometimes we get so stuck in the moment we can't see eternity even when eternity is yelling at us. You know, and then, so this is, this is not about old people. This is, this is this first story in the Gospel of Luke. See? This is all about God's amazing plan. So the fourth truth is this. God's plans for us can take a sudden and unexpected turn. Sometimes it even feels like God is interrupting our lives, disrupting our sense of stability. Or maybe he's knocking us out of our ruts. So uh, 
What are you going to do about it when unexpected change comes into your life? You know, here's a checklist. You have options. You can run. You can hide. You can whine. You can get angry and bitter. Okay? Or you can face life head on. You can take one step at a time and confess this. I can do, say it with me, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Now, your notes are end, have ended, but don't pack up, because I'm not done yet, okay? Uh, I've, got, like, I've got 12 more pages of, of, uh, of sermon notes here. Okay, so when, when his time of service was completed, he returned home, and after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. I see two miracles there, okay? And for five months remained in seclusion. So Zechariah did what a man's got to do. Uh, but Elizabeth kind of saw differently. Look at, uh, it wasn't her man. Look at verse 25. The Lord has done this for me. <laughs> okay. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people because she was barren. Dropping down to verse 57. And when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among you, among your relatives, who has, has that name. And then they made signs to his father to find out what he thinks. And verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. And in the next verse, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loose and he began to speak, praising God. You know, just all of a sudden he could speak and he went into praise to God for this crazy thing. And the neighbors were all filled with awe and throughout all the country of Judea, people were talking about these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied first about the Messiah, that the Messiah is coming. Uh, this is Advent. The Messiah is coming. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show us mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to Abraham. Oh, that was 490 years before Mount Sinai. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. God has a plan. And that, that was about Jesus. And then, then Zechariah, he prophesies about his son, which, which is in a certain way a prophecy, a prophecy to you and to me. Because we are all, in a sense, a John the Baptist telling people about Jesus. Okay? Um, ultimately, it's not about us. You know, the church, it's not, ultim it's not ultimately about us. You know, that's why we got to go with the flow. Uh, it's, life is not ultimately about us. It's about, it's about the people that need Jesus. 
Now, some of you, are, I, I didn't say this in first service. I just like to blow people's minds, okay? I went, to, I went to a huge Catholic event on Monday, a Catholic event. It was the 50th anniversary of the Diocese of Phoenix. And I was invited to come to be a part of that because I've got some really good friends who are Catholics. And, and the, the bishop, the archbishop of Los Angeles had a little homily. And you know what his homily was about? That the whole purpose of the church and every one of us is to tell people about Jesus. That was his homily. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, this is pretty good. Uh, and so this, this, is, this, this is a prophecy now about John the Baptist, but it's also a prophecy about you. And you, my child, he's holding his little boy in his arms. Uh, or maybe his wife is holding John. And he puts his hand on him and he says, and you, my child, will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. So does that apply to you? Well, what's your life about? To be, a, to be an open door to Jesus. To work in your life, to live in your life. Because the people that you know, just like you, everybody is, is messed up. And we need God. And to give, his people the, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine in those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. You can take that home because that's not just about John the Baptist. That's about everyone who says they're a follower of Jesus. This is why your life matters, not just so you can be a good person to earn rewards in heaven, but because Jesus wants to speak through you. And you, you, you don't, it doesn't have to be an argument. It can just be the t a touch and a prayer. You know, I, I, I'm thinking about an experience I had a, a number of years ago. I went to visit a friend in the hospital who had accidentally shot his wife and she was in the hospital. And it was ruled an accidental shooting. And as I came down the elevator, there was another couple that got on, on the elevator, and this woman was just really distraught. And I said to her, why are you here? She said, my mother is dying. And I said, and I said well, I, I'm a, I'm a, I, what, where do you go to church? She said, I'm a Catholic. I mentioned Catholic twice in my sermon today. Whatever. I didn't say it once in the first service. So if you don't like me saying it, listen to the recording from the first service. So anyway, and I said, I said, well, I'm a, pa I'm a pastor. Could I, say, could I just say a prayer for you? I didn't try to explain to her why she shouldn't be a Catholic. I just said, can I say a prayer to you, with you? And she, and she just started weeping. And I prayed with her in the elevator. And, she, and, and as we got off the elevator, she hugged me like I was her BFF. It, it was, and just because it was an opportunity for Jesus to come and bring comfort to this woman. And I'm sure she told that story. Someone was in the elevator with me, and he prayed with me. And she just felt, she felt God's presence. And you have God's presence in your life. But sometimes you don't look like that, you know. And so Jesus wants to be close to you all the time so that you can be the person that God created you to be. So why, uh, why did Jesus appear? It says in verse 33, Israel now grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Why did he appear? To proclaim 
the coming of the Messiah. Whole life was Advent. Let's stand together. Can you lift your hands to God? And can you you say this prayer after me? Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming into this service. Thank you for coming into my life. It's not an accident that I'm here. It's right where I'm supposed to be. Life is difficult. Sometimes it feels like hell. But you're here with me. And you love me. And you're going you're gonna to work in my life to the end of my life and then forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more